Hi, you're listening to Nancy Wilson of Heart, stuck in the 80s with you. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the bravado. That's right, that's right, we're bad. Uh, uh, uh. The bosses. You're a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. So I have a few faults. Who doesn't? Is that any reason to kill me? And the beverages. I'm a little slow today. I just switched to Sanka, so have a heart. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. Hey, it's your host, your old buddy here, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And with me today, the lovely Kathy Wass. Hello, everyone. And today's episode, Heart. Heart. Can you believe it? Not only that, we are interviewing... Nancy Wilson. Yep. And can I just say, we are not worthy. We are not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not freaking even sh- out. I'm not even sure we're allowed to say her name. I know. Definitely one of the coolest people we will probably ever interview. Yes. So Hart is actually coming to town here in Tampa Bay next week. They're playing Ruth Eckert Hall on May 2nd. And we can't wait to see him. Oh, I know. We've been fans since, what, the late 70s? Yeah. Since we could first learn how to make a turntable work. Yep. And... uh so in today's interview, she's going to talk about what they're up to today. Yes, which is uh, redoing one of their their debut album, right? Yeah, Dream- Dreamboat Annie. Oh Annie, Dreamboat Annie, ship of dreams. Oh Annie, Dreamboat Annie, little ship of dreams. Yeah, they just did it for Direct TV. It'll come out on Mother's Day. Yes, I can't wait. I don't. I don't have Direct TV, but I will find a way. Yes. To watch that, yes, I think it's also coming out on DVD. Yeah, it's coming out on DVD for and those that can't get to right. it. I think right around Mother's Day. Yep, I know uh, Ann Wilson has just uh, mastered her first solo album called Hope and Glory, and it's supposed to be in stores in September. Yeah, and next month VH1 will will honor the band on the Rock Honors in Vegas, along with several other rock bands from the era. I believe, including uh, ZZ Top and uh, I think Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne, you're right. Yeah. So they are clearly still in the conscience of yes. the music community. And uh, Nancy called us from L.A. to talk things over. So without further ado... Hey, it's a great pleasure to have Nancy Wilson on the show today. Hi, Nancy. Hello. 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 <laughs> Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm in L.A. right now, Fantastic. getting ready to go back on the road pretty soon. Yes, you're going to be here next week in yes. Clearwater. Yeah, we're coming back to the Ruth Eckerd Hall. We really like it there. <laughs> oh, good. good. Every, it's every, a great place for Everybody who plays really there is. says the same thing. It's amazing. No, it's, it's quite nice, actually. 
Cool. Um, also, too, we just heard that you performed um, for uh, Classic Albums Live for DirecTV last week, I guess? We did. Yeah. Um, they asked us to do the first album, Dreamboat Annie. It's an enti- in its entirety as a DVD and a live show. <clears throat> so we did. We rehearsed and we got strings and string players and some few extra singers and sort of did it right. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and we had a really amazing night of it. So, um, you know, right now we're doing the final mixes and getting it out. Uh, in, it'll be out for Mother's Day on DirecTV. Oh, cool. There, there must have been some songs you hadn't performed live in years. Totally. We, we, um, we had not pro- uh, played like Soul of the Sea or White Lightning and Wine or um, Love Me Like Music or Sing Child. It was it was it was like learning you know new new music yeah. in a way all over again, but really a cool sort of time capsule that album. There's not a lot of albums like that these days, you know. So it was really a blast. Cool. Now, did they pick that album for you, or did you choose to do that album for them? They asked us to do that album. Oh, okay. I think that's the it's the first of a series that they're doing where they have, you know, classic bands get uh, get together and do one of their most iconic albums in, in its entirety exactly. as the show. So that's kind of a cool idea. Oh, it is, definitely. definitely. Yeah. I know that you, a little while back, performed on CMT with Crossroads with Winona, and I've also seen that you've performed with Gretchen Wilson and Dina Carter, and I was just wondering um, if Hart was taking a little turn toward country or what was up with that? Well, you know, it's... Um, Winona's sort of a rock, a rocker in her own right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, as well, especially Gretchen Wilson. And, um, you know, we, we were asked to come and do, like, you know, shows where rock meets country. So okay. we, we're not uh, turning into country, a country <laughs> band or anything. No, no. We're pretty thoroughly rock yeah. in our own right. But um, it's pretty fun to just kind of stretch out and do stuff like that when, when people... Uh, you know, offer up the plane tickets and the hotel rooms, and it's like, hey, that might be fun. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So yeah, we've we've said yes to a few more um, shows like that. You know, as well as the the decades yeah. rock show for VH1 Classic, and that was more a completely rock yeah. type thing, and and so is this one for for Direct TV. Yeah. Are you, are you talking about the VH1 Rock Honors that's next month? Well, that's another one that's coming up. Um, the Rock Honors is coming up, yeah. That's going to be Gretchen Wilson in a um, tribute band with Allison Chains and um, and Hart. Oh, cool. cool. <laughs> Another new show idea. So. Exactly. And that's on MTV, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're spreading out plus doing the regular touring schedule in the summer. Yeah. You sound busy. We are busy, <laughs> but we like to be busy. Yeah, I know. We like you to be busy, too. <laughs> Yeah, I know a lot of your fans. You know, go back thirty years, and um, a lot of the people that uh, listen to our podcast are more eighties oriented. So I have to They're ask. Stuck you, in the seventies. <laughs> yours are ours are stuck in the eighties. <laughs> the uh, so I have to ask you about what um, what led Hart in the early eighties and mid eighties to sort of change their t- sound a little bit and go from the hard rock sound that, that you know you were sort of your trademark into more of the. Uh, power pop sound that a lot of our fans would recognize. Yeah, it was a it was um very much 
the style of the time, you know, the fashions, they do shift around. And um, you know, every five years, every ten years, it's something else coming down the pike. And uh, in our case, you know, we we thought it would be fun to kind of put on the lace gloves and the corsets and the, the hairspray and okay, you know, I really have, get into it. I do uh, have one question for you. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but is it true no. that you really did dub one of your tours the Leave It to Cleavage Tour? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a, a backstage laminate that just was um, a frame of just our two cleavages <laughs> next to each other in corsets. And we called it the Leave It to Cleavage Tour. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we never got too serious about exactly. it all, you can tell. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was really the fashion of the day, and that's how production was. There was a lot of new digital equipment that was coming out in the studios then, and everybody had to use it. So, you know, as well as the, um, you know, in the culture, the the insidious drug at that time was cocaine, and so nobody knew when to stop laying more <laughs> and more effects and more, you know, intricate exactly. production stuff on these on these rock songs. So it was kind of an interesting, you know, shift in music because it really took on its own identity um, that is clearly the 80s sound, you know. Yes. And, uh, and also the, you know, the big corporateness of everything really latched on. I mean, it was big corporations. Everyone was kind of under the thumb of the, of the, the man, you know, at mm-hmm. the, at the uh, record company and the management companies and the image makers and all that stuff. Kind of like it is right now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, very much similar to that. So it was a, so much about image with MTV having just sort of happened as well. And yeah. so there was a whole image idea that, that took away ultimately, I think, from the actual music, but not entirely. There are some really beautiful and great songs from those, those times. Um, we were lucky enough to have a few of those, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 I still you still perform some of those uh, songs from that era in concert. Do you? Yeah. Do you include those because I mean you really still enjoy playing them, or is it more for the fans? Oh no, we don't do anything we don't love, you know, because we're old enough to know that by now. <laughs> and um, yeah, we do these dreams live, yes. and we do alone. And um, your li- I love your live version of Alone. I really do. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's kind of pared down. It's just yeah. me and Anne. And um, our keyboardist, uh, Debbie Cher. And so it's just three women standing on stage. And it's probably the most powerful moment of the whole night. Till now, I've always got my own mind. I never really cared until I met you. And Chills me to the bone. How do I get you alone? How do I get you alone? Yeah, so that one's always a blast. We, 
it's sort of a touchdown in the night because Anne always, when Anne does that one, <laughs> you know that part. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People kind of just melt. You know. Oh, I know. Just, you know, it's it's a big moment. It's it's the big moment probably among a few others in the set. But um, we added a new, a uh, um, relatively new song that we do usually right after Alone, which is Love, Rain, or Me by The Who. Oh, okay. Great song. So then it just kind of like kicks into this whole other gear, and then, you know, it's another blow-away thing that happens after Alone. So it's, it's a really cool show right now. We're having fun with it. Sort of after the 80s, you you went back to Seattle, if I am correct. And mm-hmm. in, the, in the Seattle grunge era. Exactly, yeah. yeah. How was that? I mean, there you are, this you know huge band, and then just sort of you're back home in the middle of this. Well, we just, we, you know, we'd really had, like, massive success in the 80s and played a lot of massive, massive shows and traveled, like, nonstop and wrote album after album and tour after tour. So we, we were kind of ready to take a break. Yeah. And right then, again, music was totally shifting to a whole different sound. And it was coming from our hometown. So, exactly. You know, we thought, wow, let's go, let's go home for a while and rest. And, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of those guys um, from the Seattle bands, you know, were, uh, we, we came to know uh, really well as good friends, like mm-hmm. Allison Chains is still doing stuff with us. Yeah. They came to the Dreamboat Annie show and stuff. And, oh, cool. You know, and so, and, and, and um, Pearl Jam, big friends, big buddies still, and Soundgarden guys, and some of the Nirvana guys, and, you know, Foo Fighters. Yeah, exactly. So we came back to this really amazing musical community that was kind of exploding the thing we just had done, which was, yeah. <laughs> we were glad about, because we were... You know, it's like, you mean it's okay to just have natural hair, you know? Oh, yeah. It's okay to wear, you know, comfortable shoes again and <laughs> and just kind of be yourself and not live behind the big image thing. So, And they they really embraced us, and, and we were really relieved in a way because we thought they were going to have a big attitude, like, oh, you, oh, you, oh, sell-out dinosaurs, you know? <laughs> exactly. And no, so that it was, was a really a, cool time. And was. so we made our little band called the Love Mongers. Yes, exactly. With, that was my next question. Yeah, we just went, we went back and played clubs and, you know, had no record company, no management company for a while. We just took took time off and went back to clubs and got back in touch with, you know, the roots of of the reasons why we ever got into it in the first place, which was a really good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that? Do you still perform as the Lovemongers at all? Or um, we have not, but we there's there's a talk of getting together to do a Christmas album that we put out. We put out a few yeah yeah things, and one was called Whirly Gig, was pretty cool. And, yeah. and but the Christmas album was kind of the crowning achievement of the Lovemongers. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'd love to do a Christmas show of that maybe next summer for release the following Christmas. Oh, okay, cool. 
Excellent. But the Dreamboat Anything happened sort of instead of that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everybody's advice is always, you know, not to work with your family. But yet, <laughs> you've pretty much made your whole career out of that, not only working with your sister, but, you know, scoring movies for your husband. Right. Cameron Crowe, for those out there that don't know. And I was just wondering how you managed to essentially balance the, the personal and the professional working with your family. First of all... Me and Anne are, are really close. We've always been really close. I think because we started really young doing music together. Yeah. And so we were kind of fearless about, you know, what we were aimed at. And, you know, even without a gender um, identity necessarily, we were like, we could just be like the Beatles. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and we just never looked back. So it was always fun. We've always had great humor together we're just kind of you know and our other sister lynn actually does wardrobe with us used to sing on some of our albums background singing and we stick together we're a clan and um i know it's a rare thing yeah but we really do and we really like to hang out together you know when we when we're not working together we try to hang out yeah (laughs) so and then with cameron too i guess i really um I really enjoy collaborating musically with people that I really love and understand and get me to. And so, you know, in that way, I've been really lucky because the people in my immediate family are cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. That's your you one know, step otherwise ahead. <laughs> I'd be doing something else on my own. Yeah. If you don't mind, um, share with us the story of how you met Cameron. Cause I think, um, Oh yeah. <laughs> well, um, my oldest, dearest friend, who's a guy, is Kelly Curtis, who also manages Pearl Jam still. Yeah. And I met him when he was like 10, and I was 12, and <laughs> I was giving him guitar lessons. So we've still remained soulmates all these years. And um, in about, let's see, 82, I think it was, he met up with um, Neil Preston, the rock photographer that Cameron was roommates with, and had gone on all those Rolling Stone rock Zeppelin tours and stuff to do the reporting and photography for. And when those two met, they decided independently with each other that Cameron and I needed to meet, you know. So it was a matchmaker thing. (laughs) And our two best friends decided that we would be perfect for each other. So um, we were really embarrassed by that because neither of us wanted to meet each other. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, it was too much pressure, so eventually in a big group of friends we we did meet and and it was really like oh my god this guy is so cool you know he's really smart he's super funny he's he really knows about music he gets what it's like to you know the rock life mm-hmm. the touring band rock life you know so he understands yeah so yeah it was really unusual for sure <laughs> now is that you and him singing to each other in the hotel room in Almost Famous in that scene in the L. Oh, no. <laughs> I always tell no, people it is. Um, <laughs> that is uh, a duo from Seattle, um, Pete DeRose and Elaine Summers, that have ha- had a few albums out. Um, Pete DeRose does some solo work, too. They're both really good. They they opened up for the Lovemongers and stuff, too. Um, but, yeah, they're just a really amazing Seattle a couple of great Seattle musicians from that era. So he's, he threw them in the movie. And <laughs> <laughs> for, I can't, that, that's embarrassing because for years I've been telling people that that was you and Cameron. Oh, no. 
<laughs> you're going to lose the bet. Uh oh. <laughs> you you have made some some. Don't have you appeared in any of his movies, even as sort of an extra? Yeah, I was in. Um, I was actually in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You're the beautiful girl in the Corvette. Beautiful girl in Corvette. <laughs> and then I there was another lesser known uh, film he did. He didn't direct, but it's called The Wildlife. It's like one of the rock tour bus sort of underground favorites. But I, I actually had a speaking part in that. It was a pregnant cop's wife who <laughs> you know, comes to the door when the, oh, the sure. cop's girlfriend shows up looking for the cop. So Oops. I had a sort of serious <laughs> scene, and I was like, good Lord, I'm not cut out for this job. It starts too early. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the difference between pulling together and coordinating a soundtrack for a movie versus uh, putting together a whole album for, for Heart? Well, working on the soundtracks and the scores for movies um, is completely different. I mean, especially the score music, which is not the songs, it's the, the rest of the music that happens in the movie. And um, doing that kind of writing is, is really cool. It's not easy, but it's really cool for me, especially since I got to do it for Cameron stuff. But um, it's, you know, first of all, obviously you don't have lyrics to, to think about. Yeah. But you do have to, you have the, the scene itself and the dialogue that's happening in the scene and what, you know, the, the mood of the scene to support. And it's interesting because you sort of have to be invisible and support what's happening at the same time. So I find that, um, you know, the hardest thing is to almost to be simple enough sometimes you know, and stay out of the way and still be in there yeah. musically. So that's one thing that's really, I've learned a lot and I brought back into the songwriting aspect. And But choosing songs for the movie can be really fun. It doesn't always work out what you think it's going to be at all. Like, this song's going to be perfect for that scene. And then <laughs> you lay it on the scene it's like, oh, I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you had to know that Tiny Dancer was going to be perfect for that scene in all the Yeah, famous. Cameron had that in mind the whole time he was writing the script. And a few things like that, he actually, you know, he has a lot of stuff in mind even while he's writing. So usually when I get to, you know, throw song ideas out at the end of the process and maybe some of them will stick. There was that Beach Boys song at the end credits of uh, Almost Famous called Feel Flows that that was one of my proud contributions. I think I own every soundtrack to every one of his. Uh, every oh, one of his I movies. know they're all pretty cool. Yeah, they're fantastic. they are. I put them in my car too. I, I love to listen to the the theme from Elizabeth Town "60B" when I'm oh, uh, when, when I'm trying yeah. to relax. It's definitely one of my all time favorites. So what's, yeah, it, that one that that one has some awesome sound. There are two soundtrack albums with Elizabeth Town, and oh, people right. are still saying, um, "Oh my God, I love those albums." Any future movie projects uh, with Cameron? Um, yeah, he's he's got something. Um, he's about to start casting now, so it'll be a while till it's uh, ready for music. But yeah, I'm going to contribute some more stuff along to Cameron, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think it it works out pretty well when we 
we collaborate and as well as other music people. I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah, I can't even imagine one of his movies without your music in the background. Oh yeah, it's really different. Yeah, but it's it's exciting. It's challenging. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, and we're really looking forward to your show next week. At cool, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you'll come on down. Woohoo! That was an unbelievable interview. Wow. Did I just sound like a blathering idiot because I felt like one? <laughs> Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> no, that's I'm okay. Sorry. Hey, you know what? I tried to be composed. It was hard. I, I, it took me five minutes before I could even like summon the courage to ask a real question. <laughs> that's bad. I've never been that 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 starstruck before. I know. It's just she's a legend. She is. You know what's always amazed me about Heart is they've been around for 30 years, a little, a little more than 30 years. Yeah. And I have never thought of them as being like a girl band. And you know, a lot of times yeah. when you see acts that have females as, in the yeah. leads, you think, uh, you th- I think girl band. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, Go-Go's or Bangles, even Pat Benatar. Yeah. But you never think of Heart that way. I mean, to me, and they are always a rock band first. See, and but... I, I, yeah, I see what you mean, but for me too, I think they've always been a rock band. But I think one of the great things that I've always loved about Heart is that there, there are those two really talented, powerful women heading this band, and they're the ones that basically make the decisions and decide. You know, after the '80s, essentially, you know, at the height of their career, they decide. You know what? I'm doing this on my own terms, and I'm going back home and. I'm going to, you know, we're going to do what we want to do. And that's one of the, I think for me, that's part of the appeal of heart. I, I remember when they were popular in the 80s with the songs like um, What About Love and Never and These Dreams. I, I remember not even being able to make the connection. Like, this is the same band that did Barracuda. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it almost occurred to me, it's like, there's got to be two different bands with the same name because they didn't seem like they could be the same yeah. act. And, and it was really different. And she explained it why. It is, yeah. That, that's but some, I mean, and some of the, I, I love all those songs too, you know? I mean, I do. And I have every one of them on my, my iPod and I listen to them, you know, whenever it goes through the, the heart rotation and yep. they start sobbing and <laughs> stuff like that. But it is, they've had so many, I mean, God, so many different lives, I guess, musically. I mean, sort of coming back to their roots again too. Right. And still, I mean, still vibrant and yeah, how many hard rock acts could be a hard rock act you know with this heavy led zeppelin influence and then go into the 80s and then take on that power pop sound and the love anthems and then suddenly find itself landing in seattle yeah at the at the onset of the grunge revolution and not only survive it but thrive in it thrive and, and in almost it. Be, and work become, with become a mentor yeah to these bands exactly come out of it alive form the love mongers and do a series of club tours and then pop out at the end of of it all with a new studio album which they had a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh called Jupiter's Darling. Yeah. And now suddenly they're touring again, suddenly they're being honored by VH1 Classic. I know. Oh, which brings me to and I can't believe I wanted to ask Nancy this. I think it's a travesty. Why are they not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? They're not? 
They're not. They are not. I double checked. I triple checked. I looked at the list, and they're eligible. But why have they not been nominated? Why are they not there? That's that's bizarre. They certainly deserve to be. They certainly deserve to be there more than Van Halen or R.E.M. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, that's just bizarre. I mean, it's one of those weird things. I would never even. I'd be too embarrassed to ask her about that. I know. I, wonder, I, I wouldn't be. I would be outraged for her, but I, yeah. You know, but do you do you ever wonder whether these groups really care? I mean, would a group like Heart, do you think they really care? I, don't know. I mean, I the, care. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has become <laughs> such a them. joke in some respects. I mean, I feel so, I felt so bad for it this last time when Van Halen was going through it and they're arguing over who's going to show up and oh, who's going to sing what and. It, Eddie's not going to be there because he's drunk and in rehab, and and and, and you know, David Lee Ross not going to be there because he's they're not playing the songs that he wants to play, and so it ends up being Sammy Hagar. You know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if if I were hard, I'd be really glad that I wasn't um, yeah, coming through the, the Hall of Fame this year. But what's your favorite heart song aside from the one that you mentioned in the show? Because everybody I, everybody loves Alone. I do. That was always so, and I do love it their new version because that was always I mean in the 80s that was always sort of my guilty pleasure but um god I really like Magic Man I do Right, that is a great song. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of, and I just now rem- put two and two together. That they play that in the movie Swingers in oh, Vegas. Oh, they do. When they when they hook up with the cocktail waitresses and go back to their, uh, I think they live in a, a mobile home park or something like that, or a trailer or something, an airstream, and they're playing Magic Man. But yeah, that's a that's a real trip back in the time machine. My favorite, yes. my favorite has always been These Dreams. Sung by Nancy. Nancy, I know. Yes. I didn't realize that at first, but but uh, talk about like melting. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that's one of the songs they still play on their current current yes, tour. Yes, yeah, yeah. So they, they've certainly got enough songs to choose from. I, you know, she had said during the show she they play uh, "Rain Over Me" by the Who. Yeah, they do, oh and they still God. play. I mean, they they do Led Zeppelin covers a lot live. They sound. I mean, their early sound is. I mean, they they had to be heavily influenced by Led Zeppelin. Oh, I mean, absolutely, I mean, absolutely. It's it's weird because I mean, you see that, and then you see what she's kind of. They they take that sound and they sort of almost borrow it, and it evolves over time. And you can almost hear that when you're listening to the um, score behind the movies, almost famous and Elizabeth yeah. Town, which are easily my two favorite movies of all time. And I'm not yeah. I'm not kidding at whatsoever. Those are my two favorite movies of all time, wow. and I, I've probably seen each one of them at least a hundred times. But you hear it, and you can just picture that yeah. that that music evolution straight into those yeah. things. I love. And I want to say, John Paul Jones uh, produced uh, their live album. Wow, that had the be Road a Alone, I believe he produced that one. Interesting. I could be wrong. And oh, too, for those of you out there who may not realize this in law in Love Mongers lore, that um, speaking of Led Zeppelin, the Love Mongers are on the single soundtrack, and they do Battle of Evermore. 
excellent. I totally did not know that that was them. Yeah, I will one up you, but you probably already know this. Of course. On the Say Anything soundtrack, Nancy Wilson sings All for Love. All for Love. Another great, this is another great soundtrack. I've got to hear this. And yet another Cameron Crowe film. I know. Based in mm. Seattle. Based in Seattle. As is hmm, as Singles. Is singles. I, didn't have, I never thought I never made that connection, although you think I would have by now. You think you would have. I am an idiot. Hmm. We'll forgive you this time. So are you going to be there next week to see him in concert? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. So anyway, we will leave you here with... Uh, the saliva puddles forming on our table <laughs> as as we sit here and drool over our interview with Nancy Wilson. We'll be back next week with a new show. In the meantime, we're going to get our tickets today. We'll see you at Ruth Eckert Hall next week. But until then, Kathy and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Ciao! Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. To read our blog, go to blogs.tampabay.com slash 80s. Email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. Hey. Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, oh, there's my dog. Oh. Nobody's coming over. I just said hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was all excited, ready for us. <laughs>